apretado, traía mucha calor, mucha gente venía llorando. It was tight, it was cramped, it was hot. A lot of people were crying, others were screaming. I was just uncomfortable and sweating. 48 hours later, they arrived at Puebla in Mexico. They still had a long way to go to get to the U.S. When we got to the city, they opened the truck, and no one could walk. Everyone's feet were numb. Their bodies were numb. I was sick. I had the flu. I was shivering. My clothes were wet. I was sweating. Someone took Juan Pablo to see a doctor who gave him an injection to reduce his fever, but the situation seemed hopeless. When we were getting on the truck in Mexico, I was ready to give up. I was sick, and everyone told me not to go on, telling me, you're going to die. You should turn yourself into the Mexican police. I agreed. I went out on the street. I was on the street for two hours and no police came, so I decided to go on. A second bus took them north to a Mexican town in the middle of the desert. They stayed for a week, surviving on oranges. From there, they set off on the last leg of the journey. Again, Juan Pablo was ready to give up. I was going to go back because I didn't have any more money. But there's always somebody who helps you. There was a religious man. He brought a lot of food and money. He said to me, you can't go back from here. You've already gone too far for you to go back now. You have to go on. I'll help you, and we'll go on. So with his help, I got here. When we were walking, I was too sick, so I was holding on to him because I was almost falling down. He was carrying my suitcase and would always give me food and vitamins so I could go on. Smuggling gangs steered the group north to Arizona. Sick and disoriented, somehow Juan Pablo managed to get across the U.S. border. The guides, as he calls them, took him to a safe house. We were tired of walking. We'd walked for 12 hours. We hadn't eaten for a whole week. We'd already arrived at our destination. We were at a house. When we got there, the guides were getting off, when a lot of patrol cars surrounded us, and two helicopters were in the air with searchlights on us. We were too weak and sick to run away from the immigration authorities. Juan Pablo and his compadres were taken to a detention facility in Tucson, Arizona. Rather than being a center that offered shelter and care, Juan Pablo remembers it more as a prison. There was an air conditioner they never turned off. The cell was freezing. They wouldn't let me lie down. It was against the rules. We couldn't have music or even a book. I was so sick. There was an emergency call button, which I always pushed because I was so sick. When I pushed the button, a guard would come in and say he'd take care of what I needed, but he'd never come back. Conditions in the Arizona detention facility are not unusual. Stories from kids who have been detained in other facilities are quite similar. For another teen, Jimmy, the real journey began when he reached the United States. Jimmy comes from India and arrived in New York with a smuggler. The government hasn't made a final decision on his case, so Jimmy waits in Los Angeles, where he lives with an aunt, an uncle, and three young cousins in a home that bustles with activity. 
Jimmy is proud to give our reporter Gillian Carp a tour. The kitchen today is filled with the smells of fresh Indian breads and curries. My aunt cooks over here. I stand next to her watching how she's cooking. I teach my children over there. And we wash our dishes here. And the cousins are doing an inventory of the refrigerator. Apple juice. Apple juice. Onions. Yogurt. Jelly. Eggs. Milk. Ketchup. Chicken. Chicken. Goat meat. This cozy home is a far cry from the detention centers that Jimmy lived in for a